0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 499 for February 12th, 2024. This show is brought to you by Factor, Delete Me, and Nom Nom. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike Hurley.
1: We're right on the precipice of 500 now. It's amazing. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Amazing.
0: Incredible. It'll be a big
1: episode next week. Forget about this. Ep- no, no. This episode, no, no. Will be Keep great listening too.
0: to this one. Also, a big episode today, but it'll be another big, big episode today. In fact, we're just like big episode after big episode. This I year, know. It We've feels gone
1: like there was a. It was real quiet there for a while, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, bang, zoom. Hit after happening. Hit. Yep.
0: I have a snow talk question for you. It comes uh, from me, I and I want to know, Jason, did you enjoy the Super Bowl?
1: You know, the Super Bowl was extremely entertaining. Except you know, the, I, neither team played very well, honestly. Um, although I think part of that is that the other, I think part of that is that the other team was very good. I mean, that this is we have this yeah. tendency to focus on like the offenses didn't do a lot, and therefore the teams were disappointing. But I think the truth is that the defenses played really well, and the off and they're both very good teams, and so they struggled, but they also made mistakes. Um, what I liked about the Super Bowl also was that in the end, um, either team could have won by making one more play um literally both teams if they had lost would have had a litany of things that if they had just done that one thing differently they would have won the game unfortunately it was a replay of the super bowl for four years ago uh and my my uh beloved 49ers lost but it's fine patrick i mean again patrick mahomes they called him, I think Tony Robo called him the Michael Jordan of football. I mean, he is kind of that. He's young. He's mm-hmm. talented. He's already won three Super Bowls. Anyway, a little bit of a bummer because my childhood team lost the Super Bowl. But um, as I was telling our, our our pal Lex Friedman today, NFL football is probably my third, fourth fa- favorite sport. And so that eases the pain a little bit.
0: I assumed you've supported the 49ers, but you never talk about them. So I wasn't sure no. if you did actually.
1: No. And I, I'm, I'm somewhat ambivalent about the NFL. Um, I used to be more of a 49ers fan there. There were. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, baseball obviously is number one. And then, you know, between soccer and college football, um, the NFL is in there, but it's probably, you know, third or fourth in my heart. So that makes it a lot easier. When I was younger, Actually, when I was younger, it was great because the 49ers won the Super Bowl five times, <laughs> and that was awesome, and they haven't won since. But um, I'm older, and I appreciated all those wins, so it's, it's a lot easier to get over that. Once your team has won, especially in a formative age, it's a lot easier to accept loss after that because you've, you've been there, and you've seen it, and you've had that life experience. And that's how I felt when the Giants won the World Series in 2010. They had been my lifelong team and my favorite team and had never won, and that was a magical moment and you know I would love them to do well going forward just I would love the 49ers to do the same but it's not the same once you've once you've been on the mountaintop like I feel I was thinking how unique yesterday was in the sense that like there have been eight days in my life where my favorite football team is playing in the Super Bowl and that was one of them. And then I thought wait a second a very old Detroit Lions fan and a very old Cleveland Browns fan have never had that experience because they've never been in the Super Bowl at all. So I should, you know what, I got it pretty good. And it was, uh, it was a tight, taut, uh, stressful game. And I made, made some, uh, I heated up, uh, some bagel dogs, like little hot dogs inside bagel wrappers and we ate those. So, you know, we had a good day.
0: Uh, I watched the halftime show. I think Usher was very fun. Did a good job. Okay. enjoyed that.
1: I'm going to... Uh, upgrade listeners already know that I am an old, but I'm just going to put it out there. I don't know who Usher is. I don't That's know fine, anything Jason. about Usher.
0: I mean, Usher's been around for like 30 years, but...
1: Yeah. No, I got the sense very clearly uh, that it, I. I think... Uh, one of the things about um, having kids, especially, is that you lose whole periods of time where you're mm-hmm. so, like, let me, I can't tell you anything about Usher, but I can tell you a lot about the Wiggles, okay? So, but I'm going to say this, from a position of being a complete Usher, like, no-knowledge guy, he's real good. Like, that show. was a great show. Yeah incredibly talented uh really great performance loved the many channelings of michael jackson as a child of the 80s i was yeah. like that he had a guy he had a glove on at one point there were guys dressed as michael jackson in his dance group at various points mm-hmm. the the guest stars were really great alicia keys our all vision pro users know our close <laughs> personal friend alicia keys <laughs> she came out and killed it um, so anyway, yeah, there's a uh, there's a great documentary about the, the Wiggles on Prime Video. So okay. check
0: that out. Michael Jackson was very much an influence for Usher. Uh, Usher's first album was in, I think, 94 or something like that. So he's been around for a long time. I, I was a big fan of 8701, uh, which is... One of my, like, was one of my favorite. I really liked it. I thought it did a great job. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, uh, and The also, Apple Music Halftime Show, of course. The Apple Music Halftime Show. And and I will also say, is just, you know, as a person who loves love and, f- and fairy tales, I'm happy that the Chiefs won because I just think it's great. I just love the whole thing. And I know people hate it and I get it, but I love it. I just love that that Taylor was there. And, like, it's just fun for yeah. me. I just think no it's complaints. incredible. What a What a time to be alive. I have no hate in my heart
1: for... Patrick Mahomes and for the Kelsey's and Taylor Swift obviously no none at all. I I am I'm, I'm I'm bummed out because the 49ers had many opportunities like the Chiefs did to make a decisive yeah. move, one thing different and would have won the game. And uh in the end actually, I mean really in the end neither of them did sort of until the very very end. So that was it was one of those games. So I I just have to shrug and say it it it, it is a great story. I realized that everybody else in the world was uh, hoping to see Taylor Swift be happy watching the Chiefs win, and that's what happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine too. Like, as far as like a Super Bowl goes, like very exciting for like it to unfold in the like the very closing moments of the game. Like that is a an exciting thing, unless it's your team. Overtime too. There's only been two
1: overtimes in Super Bowl history. It's, wow. It's, I mean, it came down. Huh. I, there was a moment in the fourth quarter where they're like, "Oh, this is a great one. It's coming down to the end." And Lauren sitting next to me on the couch is like. Come on. <laughs> it's not a great one, but it is coming down to the end, so it is dramatic in that yeah, way. It, 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 was wasn't not a, a, it
0: was an exciting one, maybe, for exciting, that. Exciting, messy game, yeah. it wasn't a... Uh, uh... They you were know, like I mean, look, I, I,
1: fumbles and interceptions yeah. and dropped punts, and there it's was lots, than of, a lots a of mistakes. It's a though,
0: right? Like, as, as a, if you're watching the sporting event. Oh, for
1: sure. For sure, for sure. What so. you want, if you're CBS and you're selling lots of commercials especially, is a close game to the end and bonus uh overtime time for more commercials like great like you absolutely want that and it is drama um it was very dramatic anyway did i enjoy it sure am i sad a little but that's okay
0: a couple of items of follow-up well one is a follow-up section inside a follow-up which we'll get to in a second great um but last week we did uh we did in upgrade plus we did an extra segment um where we put on our vision pros and we had a persona call and we uh our edit video editor chip put it into the video version on youtube so i'll put a link in the show notes to the to our full video version of last week's episode if you're intrigued in seeing what it looks like when me and jason were talking to each other with our personas in a picture in picture uh there's a way to do that
1: we actually have we have a video of just that segment too if people want to see that that there's a video of just that. I would,
0: I would out. quite like people to click the link for the actual full YouTube public video, though. You see, All right. so it increases the view count and and feeds the algorithm. You see, rather than on the unlisted video, which won't help us out. Well, you know? it's listed now <laughs> with a
1: better title because I think it'll be better for the algorithm. But this is YouTube talk. We don't need to what talk they, about well, it. Right
0: whatever, now. you know, whichever way you do it, I'm going to, did you just click the link and go watch the thing, you know, and that will be fine.
1: Yeah, watch it. Well, I mean, we did, it, it chipped at an amazing job because it, it is us in the Vision Pro headsets and our personas talking yep. for about eight minutes. So you can get the full experience of Mike's mouth not opening and the whole thing.
0: Cool. Then that's going to be in the show notes. Go get it. I don't know if you've done it yet, Jason, but it's still unlisted. But. The title, the title's good.
1: I relisted it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it's. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll re undelist list it or YouTube. whatever they do on the you YouTube.
0: This is YouTube. That's everything. YouTube. Everything takes ten more clicks than the two clicks it's supposed to take. I
1: don't want to. I don't want to give away too much about um, conversations I have with our friend CGP Grey. But I did have a YouTube conversation with CGP Grey. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Where I said, "Are are there?" A se- I'm going to boil it down to its specifics. I said, "Are there things we should be thinking about?" strategically about our videos uh and he was like yes but don't listen to anybody's advice because it's all wrong i was like perfect yeah
0: that sounds about right (laughs) i I think so yeah all right dma today time dma today he talking
1: about the DMA.
0: Is this a, is this Sorry. a song that I need, that so. I should know, or is that like an original? Only if you're an
1: American who remembers okay. the ads for USA Today in the '80s on TV. But right. yeah, anyway, DMA Today. Here we are.
0: Jason created artwork, so if you use a if you use a podcast app that shows chapter artwork, you will now see the DMA Today
1: artwork. Enjoy DMA. We made this up last week. Now it's a segment.
0: Yes, and so there's basically what there's a couple of items of follow-up that I wanted to address uh, that were related to this and then also a couple more um, debate items from our listeners. I feel like we're having a mm-hmm. slow debate with our audience. So, yeah, sort of. This comes from Matt, who says, in your disagreement with Scott's feedback on last week's episode about the burden of a 50-cent technology core technology fee, places on developers, you said that free apps can just remain in the App Store under the current rules. That is true, but only if the apps are a type of app that is allowed in the App Store. Consider emulators, explicitly legal by US law, but banned from the App Store. And Roe also wrote in, I'll say lots of people wrote in for a variation of this. Roe added, in particular, open source applications that Apple doesn't want on the platform are effectively prohibited by the proposal.
1: All right. So here's the problem with podcasts is we're not going to we're not going to cover every issue every episode i have talked about emulators and app store rejection policies on it's got to be at least a half dozen if not a dozen episodes of upgrade not going to mention it every time so you're right yes i can't mention every single issue but this is absolutely true one of the whole points of what's going on here and one of the reasons you might want to be in an external marketplace, is that you're making a product that Apple has decided they don't want on their platform. And therefore, how do you get it out there? Um, I guess if you're using open source code that does not allow you to charge money for it, it's extremely difficult. Um, if the license allows you to do that, then perhaps you could charge a dollar for something and do it that way. But yes, absolutely the case that. Um, there are apps that I, I thought I even said last week. Open source apps, <laughs> but anyway, yes, I'll, I'll agree. I, I don't understand the you haven't talked about it, part because God, we have talked about it so much. But okay, yes, I agree.
0: I don't think anybody said we didn't talk about it, but I guess it's implied. Uh, look, here's the thing: I I don't have hmm, I don't have a lot of sympathy for this argument because they don't exist on the App Store currently, so. Right.
1: Well, the other context of last week's discussion is we were talking about the challenge for people who are in the app store with their apps and they're free and would they go to the marketplace, which is not this scenario. This is a different scenario where you are saying, should I bring my app? Now, inside Apple's official policy here, because let's be clear, these apps already exist. They just exist through like alt store and they're completely outside of Apple's domain. And this is like they're bringing them into Apple's domain. Would they do that? But the conversation last week was mostly about people who have free apps on the app store. Would yeah. they enter into this system? And that, that's, you know, it's a different argument.
0: Right. This doesn't seem difficult to me, right? Like if you're an open source app, go on the app store as it is currently You're not going to make any money, so what's the the problem? no problem to you, right? If if you're an open source app or an emulator or whatever and you're not accepted onto the App Store, well, you're currently not on the App Store anyway, so nothing's changed for you. If you want to be, well, you have to charge. And, you know, I'm sure you can work it out, right? Like maybe the open source apps could come together into some kind of store and, like, there's, like, a fee for all of these apps, but it's a, a... non-profit organization. You know what? Like, there are ways around it. Like, my point is like, if an app currently doesn't exist on the app store, this hasn't changed that because they still don't exist before or after. Like, in theory, there's now a path for these apps, but there's a fee for it. And I understand that might be um inelegant. It might be difficult, potentially impossible, but it hasn't. It's like Schrodinger's app store, right? Like, they don't currently sure. exist on the App Store, so nothing's changed. There is now a path yeah. in which they could, but that doesn't, in my eyes, really affect anything. I don't know. I feel like all I'm doing is yeah. creating more fodder for next week's DMA. Today, it's
1: so. it's fine. I, I just um, I do think that there is a scenario that is going to be uh, potentially an issue here, where it's open source apps that are are prohibited by the license for to charge. Who essentially can't be more than at a million. Although I wonder, is there a feature of a side loading, you know, sorry, an alternative uh, app marketplace of like, we'll warn you when you get near a, a million and you can just uh, cut it off, turn yeah, but turn we, it off at that point.
0: I know what you're saying about that, but like those apps don't exist right now. So like nothing's changed. So we don't know. We don't it hasn't know. I changed.
1: Just, it, that. It hasn't changed. This is like a new question. One of the things that we felt was a positive of having alternative app marketplaces or sideloading was going to be that the idea that I can develop an app and know that it will come out because Apple can't say no, I can put it somewhere else, um, does run into this. But you're right. It's theoretical because those apps have not been in the app store. And we were really talking about apps that were in the app store for free and what those developers could choose to do. I appreciate the feedback. I don't disagree with it. I'm just, I'm just a little frustrated because I feel like we've spent tens of hours, twenties, you know, so many hours talking about these topics, and it, yeah. it it feels like the listeners are coming in saying, "I can't believe you didn't mention well, this look, thing." It's like, well, no, no, it's not what no, we were talking no. look,
0: about. We cannot assume that people remember everything we've spoken about. Like, it, it is a, a a private joke at this point, but also a public one of like. I can't believe you didn't read my blog post and, like, this started with Casey. Like, we can't assume people remember.
1: I appreciate it, but at the same time, we can't talk about every single issue in every single For sure. episode. It's For not sure. possible.
0: So, But in the context of the DMA, maybe we didn't fully cover this one thing because we got a lot of feedback about this specific thing but now we said it and I'm sure you made it better and I made it worse again. We'll find out next time on DMA Today but I have more. (laughs) I have more. So uh, I want to read a quote from Mark Zuckerberg about Apple's proposal. I've edited this a little bit because it was uh, a little um, it was a spoken and then transcribed by The Verge so I edited it a little Mm. bit for clarity. Mark says I don't think that the Apple thing is going to have any difference for us I would be very surprised if any developer chose to go into the alternative app store that they have. They made it so onerous, and I think it's so at odds with the intent of what the EU regulation was, that I think it's going to be very difficult for anyone, including ourselves, to really seriously entertain what they're doing
1: here. And there's somebody inside Apple who's like,
0: mission accomplished. (laughs) Well, but this is the thing. It's like, from Apple's perspective, this is exactly what they wanted. But this Mm -hmm. might be the exact thing they don't want when it comes to the approval from the European Union.
1: Even even if the EU and the European Commission say, look, Apple is in compliance with the DMA, Mm -hmm. if, if, if nothing happens, it seems to me that it will be unlikely that they will stop and say, well, we tried, right? Yeah. That's probably not what will happen. Instead, what will happen is that they will take things like Mark Zuckerberg's comments and say, oh, we need to do more.
0: And we'd previously spoken about the idea that Apple, and you you would reference this and I thought it was really insightful, that Apple's going to do the best that they can to highlight every possible risk that appears from an alternative App Store app, right? That like any scam, any anything, Apple's going to like shout about it. And in The expectation of that, I would like to look at it from the other side based on some news that came out this week. But I will start by reading from Apple's developer guidelines regarding alternate app stores. Apple say, If not properly managed, alternative distribution poses increased privacy, safety, and security risks for users and developers. This includes risks from installing software from unknown developers that are not subject to the developer program requirements. Installing software that comprises system integrity with malware or other malicious code, distribution of pirated software, exposure to illicit, objectionable, and harmful content due to lower content and moderation standards, and increased risk of scams, fraud, and abuse. This past week, an app called LastPass, or LastPass, (laughs) appeared on the App Store, basically creating a spoof of the password app LastPass. So... This app didn't necessarily seem to be trying to like steal login information, but they were trying to get you to sign up for a subscription. You think you're signing up for LastPass, but you're not. This app has since been removed, but this is an example of something that never should have gotten through app review. And then I feel like with the DMA rules in our minds, these things are also going to happen, where it's going to be much easier to highlight areas where app review falls down. And we've never expected them to be perfect. But Apple is speaking in such high and mighty terms about the risk of fraud from alternative app stores. Their own app store has this problem and has always had this problem and will continue to have this problem. And I just thought this was particularly interesting and probably got more attention because of the DMA, but I think is a very good example of the kinds of things that I think we're going to be talking about a lot where there's going to be a bunch of tip for For that with this stuff.
1: I feel like this is one of the things that our sort of specific community talks about a lot. That is um, the counter argument to Apple's claims that they are the great protector of the platform Mm -hmm. is that we have endless examples of dangerous and bad apps that just get approved while at the same time, perfectly reasonable apps get rejected for no apparent reason and sometimes require like, Whole media blitzes in order to get somebody at Apple to pay attention and approve yep. it, and it's it, it's very confusing why some stuff that is terrible just slides on through, and then other stuff that's perfectly fine and following the rules gets rejected multiple times. So uh, th- this is the you know yeah, what are you what are, what are the developers paying for if this is what the they get?
0: I don't think that it would necessarily. I don't think it's fair to like point at every possible scam and say haha, but like something like this specifically should never have gotten through right like nope. Not because in a this is a years. spoof app of a massive company with huge yeah. privacy implications right that like this could have been an app that asked for your last pass login right like and I, you know I, I, and maybe trick people into giving that information away like but it, it didn't seem like it was doing that but it never should have gotten through app review like there should be and i'm sure there are types of applications that if they look like they're supposed to be something else they don't get through and i bet they mostly focus on that with copyright material i bet you couldn't do like dibney plus you know what i mean like oh Oh, (laughs) sign up for dibney plus no it's not gonna happen is it with like mikey moose or something it's not that's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. but LastPass did nestflix nestflix it's not gonna happen probably well i don't know what i don't know if they they would care so much about netflix right now but
1: uh, Uh, okay but they're they're serious partners
0: yeah this episode is brought to you by factor factors delicious ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easier than ever before Whatever you've got planned, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, and they include really great options for keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easier. So don't delay any longer. Go and get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. There's so much to love about Factor. Their meals are ready in just two minutes, so you can fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Plus, you get snacks, smoothies, and more. You can discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfasts and midday bites. It's a win-win. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing from 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus you can pause or reschedule your your deliveries at any time. There's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Jason, what do you think about the choice available with Factor? Uh,
1: well, I mean, there are lots of different choices. Um, I tend to... I mean, they they sent me a bunch of different ones. Um, we have some very specific uh, choices in our family, but you can choose uh, from all those different uh, uh, kinds of food. So mm. they were able to fulfill the stuff that we eat, and Wonderful. then the quality was good. And um, it, m- the the real clincher here is that I, I put a lot of boxes of Factor meals in our fridge and would go there to discover that they were gone mm. because... Uh, Lauren has, you know, she has, goes, works at the library and has to make herself a lunch every day. And she would just steal them because they, they passed her test. We got a new batch of factor meals and, um, she just began siphoning them off at a rate of roughly one per day. Uh, and so I didn't even get to have very many of those cause she took them away. And I think that is a, a true endorsement because we got a lot of podcast products in our house and that one was a hit. Because it actually, you know, you think, you think you're think you heating up something, maybe microwaving something. You're like, eh, it's not going to be very good. And these are very good. The quality is impressive.
0: So go and check it out for yourself right now. Go to factormeals.com slash upgrade50 and use the code UPGRADE50 for 50% off. That is UPGRADE50 at factormeals.com slash UPGRADE50 to get yourself 50% off. A thanks to Factor for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So we've got a lot of Vision Pro to talk about, obviously. Uh, we've had more time with <sighs> Don't it. we ever. Um, I want to start by talking about your review. So you published a how many word reviews?
1: 8,000
0: word review. That like, that's chunky.
1: Like a, that is a chunky the review for you. review I have written in quite a while. Yeah. I've been in the 5,000, 4,000 word camp for a while And I just, Stephen Hackett then did this shortly thereafter, and it's that thing where you're writing and you're like, oh, I'm 3,000 words in and there's no end in sight, and it ended up at about 8,000 words, yeah.
0: Which isn't a surprise to me, because like, you know, I've recorded many episodes of podcasts about the Vision Pro now. We did a, I was really happy with the episode of Cortex that we did, um, which I'll put in the show notes too. Can't wait to listen. We're doing this, and like... I still like i'm I was using it today, obviously, and I'm still finding out things that I like and dislike about it, right like it's still happening like I'm still forming mm-hmm. oh, opinions yeah. about this well that's that's
1: the other thing about doing um doing this is I end up saying to myself uh i need to I need to finish right like I need to get it out there and i've got i could i could have written twenty thousand words right but then the the review wouldn't be out there for ages Mm. and so i decided i would uh you know i would call it at some point and say okay this is the first thing and then i i know i can write uh, about all sorts of aspects of it but at some point you just gotta kind of get the first response out there and then move on with the rest of your life which is what i was trying to do
0: i loved your framing So like the old, which I recommend people go read this. People should go read this. Even if you just read the intro and outro, you should read more. But like the the framing of your (laughs) review being that like, you know, you, you were there when computers started and it was very similar to this. Like, I love this quote. There was very little software available and the suggestions your computer salesperson would give to adults were impractical things like keeping a recipe database or balancing your checkbook. Like these were the kinds yeah. of things that were happening when people were getting Macs for the first time and stuff like that.
1: And they, well, it's before that. It's even, it's the, mm-hmm. it's the uh, Apple IIs and Commodore Pets and TRS-80s in the very, very, very early. And it, it extended for a while, but especially in that earliest of personal computer time, it was clear these, you know, it's like, got to get a, a computer. We got to get them in schools, get them for home if you can afford it. They were very expensive you know, uh five, $6,000 in today's dollars for a personal computer, and it didn't do anything. Um, to Today's stuff, I mean, the Vision Pro does a lot more than these things do, but it-, it still gave me that feeling of, yeah, it does a lot more, but what do you do with it? Like, what is the practical application for it? And it feels very much like it's a technology searching for a practical application, but very clearly uh, cutting edge, futuristic, we got to get on board. Uh, that's the vibe that, that this really reminded me of is that, is that, which is, we don't know quite what it's for yet. We're trying, we're throwing a bunch of things out there that may be things that you could do to apply this to your life. They're they're not that practical, but still it's cutting edge and it's the future and you should probably pay attention to it. That, that I get the same feeling from this as I do from that era when I was a little kid.
0: And you know, like I think it's relative too, right? Because we were talking about this uh, some months, some many months ago, about the table stakes for the Vision Pro, right? Like the base stuff that a computer of any kind needs. Now they had to build, which they did, but then we're building from the table stakes. Like, all right, it does all the stuff a computer should do, but what do you use it for? Like, so the question is still the same, even though Mm -hmm. the Vision Pro is more capable than an Apple II was like uh, uh, what it can like just do straight out of the box. right?
1: Obviously it's much more capable and there's, there's software for it, which was one of the issues with the early personal computers is that there wasn't a lot of software available, but the, the use case searching for a use case is the thing that is similar. Absolutely.
0: You say in your review, this is the most impressive piece of hardware I've ever seen.
1: Out of Apple hardware. Yeah,
0: it is. I mean, if you take the light seal off
1: and you just kind of hold the thing, like, Those displays are incredible and they're so tiny. And then, and the thing, I know we talk about how heavy it is and all, but like the core unit of it is so small and it's this glass aluminum thing. Um, I mean, they put a lot of work into it. It's a very impressive, it's all packed in there. Again, I feel like there's two things you can, you can say, you can be appreciative of what it is and how it was built and how cutting edge it is. And you, you don't, you don't have to believe it, right? You don't have to believe in it to appreciate those things. And so i that's what I was trying to say is, is this is, let's let's stop and appreciate it for a minute. And then we'll talk about whether it's implausible, impractical, what what's going on with it. But clearly this is not Apple doing a half-hearted job. This is full-throated Apple trying its best to make a cutting edge product. And I love to see it. Love to see that.
0: One of the things I've been pretty, I think I've actually been pretty surprised about is it has become pop cultureified in the past week quite quickly. Like mm-hmm. lots of celebrities are wearing them and producing social media content wearing them. Sure, and but not as a joke, right? Like I think it has become a little bit of a status object. Um, I think similar to how the Apple Watch did at first, even though people were statusifying with the gold one, um, but. It, and I think it's the look of the hardware is, has allowed for that, right? It looks it looks expensive as well as the fact it that does. it is expensive. And I think that leans itself into a certain type of person online, the type of person who have been using it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that it seems to be popping up all over the place for me at the moment anyway. Yeah. How did you write this review? Did you write it using the Vision Pro? I wrote it almost entirely in the Vision Pro
1: using a, a, a magic keyboard. Mm-hmm. I wrote part of it in um, OneWriter, which is my iPad app of choice for writing and is available as a compatible app. Okay. I wrote about the first half of it in that. And then after a, uh, I gave some feedback uh, to uh, to Simon, the developer of uh, RuneStone um, a text editor that is out for vision pro, um, about this challenge I was seeing where whenever I tried to type, it made the window wide, even though the text was narrow. Um, and he and I talked about that a little bit. And then all of a sudden there was a, an update. It wasn't even a test flight build. There was just an update that fixed that issue. <laughs> and I switched over and then I used, uh, runestone to write the rest of it. And runestone doesn't have like all the features that I want that, that uh, one writer has, but it's okay. good. It's a good, solid markdown text editor. And it gave me the experience of of writing, um, not just writing on the Vision Pro, but writing on the Vision Pro in an iPad app and then in a Vision Pro native app and the difference there, uh, which was kind of interesting. The The iPad app, all the targets are smaller, um, but at the same time, it was a familiar app. It was a, a full-featured familiar app it's set up to sync to Dropbox, and uh, and Runestone syncs with iCloud. So I kept having to like copy my review back and forth. This turned out to be good because at the end of the process, I was just kind of I had one writer open, and I I did something with my hands, and it interpreted it as a swipe all the way to the left to delete the file. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was a drop back box. I was able to undelete it and I did have a copy somewhere else, but I had that thought of like, well, this isn't great, right? And I think that's a good example of things that iPad app developers might not anticipate about how easy it might be to, for example, just delete a file with a swipe gesture because the swipe gesture is no longer quite as explicit. It can be done really, really accidentally. And, you know, undo on a Vision Pro doesn't seem to exist or at least is not, that common. Anyway, the actual act of writing was pretty good. I started writing and I wrote a little bit in BB edit in a Mac, but the truth is that the, the text clarity is greater. I mean, it's, it's fine in the Mac, but it is nicer. The text is nicer in vision pro in an iPad app and even nicer, honestly, in a vision OS app. Um, I did a lot of it with, um, I was sitting on my couch for a lot of it with just the keyboard in my lap. Um, I had environments on for some of it. I had environments not on for some of it. I I had this thing where, especially when I like let my dog outside, I would dial in the environment enough so that when I was staring straight ahead, I was seeing the environment. But if I looked off to the right, to the doors in our living room to see if the dog was out there or whatever, I could see whether the dog was out there or whatever. Um, and that was good. I wrote some of it at, at my dining room table with just a magic keyboard and a magic trackpad in front of me, no monitor, right? But using the Vision Pro and that worked fine as well. Um, So I I can say authoritatively that one can write an 8,000 word review in the Vision Pro. That is absolutely true. Would it be my choice to always do that for everything I write? I don't know. Yeah. Probably not, but maybe I do a lot of those sort of like I'm gonna go write in a different environment things. Like I don't write as much at my desk as you would think. I do a lot of I'm gonna go write in the other room now that I've got Studio B or write at the bar on an iPad or in the summertime, right in the backyard. And I do that, and I used to do it at cafes. I do that to get out of my usual workspace and like shift gears.
0: Well, now you could just the, go to a different env- go to the moon. environment environment and sit at the same yeah the same desk.
1: And and maybe sit in a more comfortable place because ergonomically there are more places that I could sit and work and have a screen in front of me yeah. like on the couch when I could do that with a laptop in my lap. But like I the one of the reasons I'm sitting at the bar is that I've got an iPad in a in a stand and that is where I do that and and that's fine but also this might be a little more flexible ergonomically. So I don't know. I'm open to the idea of using this uh, for writing, but um, I definitely did it for this review. I felt that was important, and I think it was.
0: I wanted to touch on a couple of things that you said there. So like, I like obviously, the the, the the Mac display, the Mac virtual display is not as clear, but it's clear, but it's just a little fuzzy. It reminds me of like, if you use a non-retina display with your Mac, right? Right, well, like a non-retina resolution display of your Mac is what it looks like. Yes. Everything is perfectly readable. It's just yes. not crisp.
1: No, I did the thing where I actually um, sized it for the size yep. of my studio display and placed it right where my studio display was. Yep. And that allowed me to say, oh, don't do this, right? Like if you've got a studio display, you should use the studio display. Or make uh, it Because it's bigger. not as good as that. But that doesn't mean it's a failure, right? It is a, yeah, it's, it's a non-retina or at least less than what we're cu- accustomed to And we know people who have multiple monitors and those aren't all retina displays, right? Like, so you can, you can do it uh, and you can get up close and see, uh, you know, see it pretty well, but that's not really how you would work with it normally. Uh, You would, from a normal working distance, it's lower resolution. It's perfectly usable, but yeah, it's not that high resolution that we're used to. This will be more useful, I think, if they uh, add multiple display support for Mac mode at some point, Mm because then you could really emulate the, I've got two slightly less than retina resolution monitors in a side-by-side or an up-and-down configuration. I know that people love that. I don't do that, but I know people do love that. That would be
0: nice. I mean, so uh, today I did all of my show prep using my Vision Pro sitting in front of my studio display. And I, because I wanted to, to see what that would be like. And it was, for me, just a truly fantastic experience. So I had the Mac, which is where I was. I had that as like the main screen in the middle. I had Google Docs yep. in there because it's way better on the Mac because Google, um, yes. it's just not good in a web browser. It will be better when, that, mm. when they have an app, which I'm confident they will at some point. And I had like all these windows around me, right? Like I, the Vision OS apps. I felt like I had multiple monitors going on. Yes. Because I could have yeah. all of my chat windows, Slack.
1: Yeah. I had messages over music, on my right. I had Slack everything. over on my left. Yeah. yeah. Music up top. And yep. I said
0: had the Mac in the middle, and it was where I was doing a bunch of stuff. I was reading your article in Safari Vision OS, a uh, Vision OS Safari, mm-hmm. because it was nicer to read. Uh, but then at one point, the copy-paste stopped working between, <laughs> between my two devices. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed that today. And I don't know what to do about that in a way, because as soon as I took it off and looked at my display, it's like, oh, that is nicer. But now I feel kind of like hamstrung by not having all of these other windows around me. Like that can be huge. And I love being in the environment because it's nicer than looking at the white wall behind my desk. Um, So it was a, I've got to try and contend with this a little bit because Yeah, and I I could feel it when I was reading your review. You're talking about, uh, you make a bunch of references to, and I found them enjoyable, about the idea of like, this is going to restart the iPad versus Mac war, right? The iPad wars, yeah. Because it's like, oh, there's going to be people that are going to be trying to like force some stuff and, and like maybe jump through some hoops. Yeah. I mean, I
1: didn't, I didn't mention Federico by name, but like, he, obviously I think it's going to happen with him. But in general, like, remember we had the iPad wars where it was like, oh, I can do work on an iPad. I'm going to force it. I'm going to push this. I'm going to explore this, which I love that because it's really, hey, here's a new computing platform. Let's see what it can do. Let's take it out for a spin. Is it all going to be something that everybody wants to do? Well, no, but that's not the point. The point is to try and see where the edges are and what the issues are. I've always appreciated the people who did that. Um, I sort of did that. To a certain extent, but never to the extent that many other people did. I, I look at this and I think, oh, same thing's going to happen. And we're going to get the same arguments again. And I think what I said in the review is, sarcastically, oh boy, <laughs> can't wait mm-hmm. to bring back the iPad wars as the Vision Pro wars. But it's because it is so iPad-esque that people are absolutely going to try that. Um, that said, I had that moment, Mike, where I, where I thought, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but I had that moment where I thought, Huh would I have bought that studio display for studio B now? Or would I have been yeah. just like, oh, I can just put a laptop back there and use the vision pro when I want to be yeah. back there. And and like, I, I think maybe that would, I wouldn't have, I think maybe I wouldn't have, even though, cause I, cause again, not that I would not buy a studio display. I have one and I would not have, not, not have one at all, but I bought a second one for a second workspace. Cause I felt like I had no other decent options. And now I, I, I keep thinking one, I could use that space much more as a temporary space when I need to use a Mac to record a podcast. do I need a a big monitor for that, and you know do I even need to work work there at all? I could work kind of anywhere with a vision pro and a and a Macbook air so i i I don't know, but it's certainly a different set of circumstances
0: It feels like the the Mac display is quite polarizing in how people find it to be useful or not. I feel like the more content I consume of people talking about this, the more I get some people say that it's like it is the best thing and it's, it absolutely makes the device, and then others were saying this is absolutely unusable and it's very interesting to me to hear the polarizing of it i, I yeah. but I'm not really sure what's causing it with people.
1: I don't get it i i do i we're we'll talk about this later, but I do think that part of this is actually ergonomic related. Because some of the takes that I've heard about Mac mode, I can't square it with reality. And, and that's the problem. Everybody's welcome to their own opinion. Mm-hmm. But I hear descriptions of things like the Mac mode as being like really substandard and blurry and artifacty and all these things. It's like, I have a Vision Pro and eyeballs. Yeah. And I don't see it. I do not see it. Which leads me to believe that this is not necessarily an opinion, but instead might have something to do with somebody having a vision issue or a light seal issue or something that is not, because I do not see it. I don't understand anybody who would say that it's unusable. I think that there's a really good debate to be had about, since it is lower resolution, what is it good for, but... I think it is good if you are traveling with a laptop and want a big screen. And then not only is it a big screen, but it's a big screen where some of the apps you might have open there, you can now open in Vision OS and keep your big screen in the center for the very Macy stuff you need. I, I think it's kind of great. I think it's one of the banner features of the oh, product. Yeah. I I'm not gonna go so far as to say you should never buy a monitor again, because having, you know, gone back and forth, like Retina monitor that's real. It's 27 inches. That's right in front of your face. Is pretty nice. Um, I'm also a little bit baffled. And again, I don't know whether this counts as ergonomics or not, but I have also heard some people who are go, well, yeah, the problem with, uh, the vision OS is the field of view. And so like, you have to turn your head, uh, to see stuff. And, and, and I think. Don't people? I mean, if you have two monitors, you have to turn your head. Then you can't. You can't. Yeah. Are people staring forward and then using their eyes and going side to side and leap, keeping their head locked? I mean, you in the human real world, you also move your head around in order to look at windows. If you've got a very large display, it's one of the reasons I don't have a very large display. <laughs> is that it, it, it? Sometimes seems like it's just way over there, really far away. And one of the nice things about Vision OS is I can arbitrarily move those windows around to anywhere I want so that I can look at them uh instead of having a monitor that is fixed and on a stand or something so i don't know i i am on the pro mac virtual display side yeah. not like 100% over there but i admit to being baffled by some of the negativity about it i i think there's a bit debate to be had about when it's good to be used and when it's not but it's pretty solid in my experience i was i was impressed with it
0: i think the variance of opinions on all things Vision Pro related is fascinating to me. I feel like there is a lot of conversation about things people feel they do and don't do. Like I've heard a bunch of people now talk about doing things on a Mac when they're not looking at them. And I don't think that's real. (sighs) Yeah. Or maybe this is so different to me. Well, yeah. I've, I've heard this multiple places on multiple podcasts. That John Syracuse was talking about it. I've heard lots of people talk about this now of like, oh, I, I'm always doing things on my Mac without looking at them. And and I'm just not sure that that... I, can't, I don't understand how that's possible. So like, I think that more than anything with the Vision Pro and Vision OS, I think there are way more divides in the your mileage may vary than any product mm-hmm. they've made before. Because I think that we're bumping up against like things people do, things people think they do, and things people exactly. can't think they do.
1: Invisible, mm, I don't even want to say invisible ergonomics, invisible ways of working with computers mm-hmm. that we all took, you know, we, we're all our own individual quirky people, right? But we But I think part of being a person is being like, I just do this thing. Mm-hmm. We all do this, right? We all do this, right? Right, right. And then you get a moment like this where you're like, "Oh no. Uh, they how they do what?" Yeah. And then there's that second layer which is I don't believe that they actually do what they say they do, right? Yeah. And you, there's no way to unless you get a camera on them, right? You can't you have to take their word for it. And and I I agree. I've had some moments where I'm like, "Oh yeah, I just I just move my uh my pointing device and without looking I do a thing with a window and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't understand that but okay like all right I, I guess that's your your thing I also was a little baffled by some of the criticism that I've heard about um uh selecting windows in vision os now the criticism that that multiple windows in front of one another on the Z-axis is bad, I agree with, It's if you get a window trapped behind another window and you're like, oh, my God, and you can't toggle, you can't command tab, you can't command tilde, you've got to, like, take your window and move it out of the way and then get that other window and move it away and then move your other window back, and I hate it. Absolutely the case. However, I had great success in if I have a window sticking out, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, of another window behind it being able to look at the back window and tap, and then yep. it comes forward. I have 100% I, I didn't have any trouble done with that. this
0: <laughs> constantly. Like, uh, it, to me, feels just like the Mac, right? That, like, yeah. if there's a window yeah. in front of the other window, I just click the other window and it comes forward. And I've done yeah. this. The windows on top of each other. You can see the corner of the other one. You tap it and you can bring it forward. Yeah, if it's a
1: little... I mean, the difference is, this, is the precision, right? Like, if it's really close... It's not great. And I'm actually a little surprised that they aren't doing something with vision OS that they do on, um, on the iPad now where if a window is entirely behind another window, they slide it a little bit. So it's poking out enough for you to be able to select it, which is a yeah, great don't know. user See, interface I, thing.
0: I think I kind of like that. It doesn't do that.
1: That it just, it just leaves it there. I mean, maybe it would be an option. I
0: just want to be in full control of the placement of all my windows. Uh, that's one of the things I love about vision. OS. <laughs>
1: I get that my, my only hesitation is sometimes due to nothing you want a window is completely behind another window and probably I didn't
0: want to put it there <laughs> and it's lost in that scenario what is the problem.
1: Uh, that I, a window that I want to grab is invisible because it's hidden behind another window. Yeah. And for me to get it, I need to move a window and then move another window and maybe move another window back. You can
0: also launch it again and it just brings it f- to the front. Hmm. I mean, right. yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's ideal, but I'm saying like it's a thing you can do, right? You can ask your assistant or you can bring up the thing and just launch launch it again.
1: Have you had the the minority report thing? I've had a few few moments where I really felt like I was in minority report where I have had a window Mm -hmm. and I need to bring it into my vision more. It's off to the side. And I literally like look at it and I go flip. And now it's close to me. And I go, and I do something. And then I go, okay, now be gone. Yeah. And I grab it again and I go flip and I put it back out to the left. I'm like,
0: oh, just, that's no like window management. Right? Like <laughs> you know, like music, I mostly just leave the mini player. But if I want to do something more, I'll grab the mini player, bring it down, open it up, do what I need, put it back. Yeah. Like I love spatial computing. Like I love this right. idea of I'm sitting on my desk and I have all of these windows around me. I do yeah. kind of like the the fact that they make the the cone but I would like to be able to more easily rotate them on their x axis right
1: oh interesting just slide slide them all around i this is this gets to something that i think is on my top on my wish list of vision os 2 which is just i feel like there needs to be more window management scaffolding it's yes. like i understand it's a 1.0 yes. uh, and i say that in the article it's like i get it it's a 1.0 but Clearly one of the places window management scaffolding, right? Like it just doesn't exist really on vision OS because it doesn't really exist on iPad OS and iOS with the exception of stage manager, which is, this is not that, um, it, but the Mac has it. And I, I kept finding myself at rotating the windows around you. Uh, like you're spinning a carousel is a great idea. I thought about like expose where they all kind of show up or being able to toggle between them in some way. Cause you're right. There are workarounds, but like I kept thinking or spaces that save the idea that I'm like, save this collection, but now I want it to go away and do something different, but then come back to it later. And like, I'm sure they'll get there, but like, those are all the things that struck me is like, this is good, but it's so 1.0 where it's like, nope, fend for yourself right now. That's what you have to do.
0: For me, The most important of all of them, like I understand the idea of like having an expose or whatever. The most important for me is there needs to be some kind of memory of my window placement with a restart. Yes, because for sure this thing, the standby battery is bad. Like it's bad. It if you do not have it plugged in, it will be dead tomorrow. Like I've experienced that multiple times and so then all of my window management from the previous day is blown away. And like what I ideally want is it to work like a Mac that doesn't use Stage Manager. Because Stage Manager, by the way, every time you reset, it just blasts all your stages into infinity and you have to reset them all up again. But Macs Without Stage Manager, I can't believe that 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 happens, by the way, considering this feature exists. If you don't use Stage Manager, your Mac remembers where your window placement is. But that's what I want Vision OS to do, that when I restart, it does that. Otherwise, give me some kind of shortcut placement or something, you know, that I can say open them and put them here and put them there or whatever. Um, I made a shortcut, by the way. This is hilarious. Like I just want to see what happens, right? Because you can make shortcuts to open apps, right? Yeah, I made a simple shortcut that opened three apps because I thought what I could do is I could run a shortcut, it opens my five apps and I just move them, right? So it's like less less buttons. Sure. So it had three actions. It was open Safari, open Todoist, open Notes. What happened was it opened Safari, then it opened Notes, but Safari was gone. So like it was just opening one app wow. at a time but like resetting everything. It was very weird. If mm. anybody's had better luck with shortcuts for this than me, let me know. I don't know what happened, but it was like it just removed th- all of like the other app. It was very peculiar. Yeah. I, mm. But they need to have some kind of. I think that's the start, and then like window management in general needs to yeah. be better. Have you come across the force quit yet? Yeah. Oh yeah. What I a wild thing quit. that that is there. I I don't remember how I got it. I think if you press and hold a button. I think it might. I don't know which it is. You get a little force quit menu, which is of all of the things to to have. That is hilarious to me. That force quit is there, right? Like, iPadOS doesn't have force quit. You have multitasking where you can swipe them away, but it is very interesting to me that like they chose to have a force quit menu. Some. Buried within Vision OS is yeah, it's kind of incredible, really.
1: Yeah, it's a Mac like kind yep. of thing. Yeah, you press and hold both buttons down, and the force quit comes out. I up love it, I think go, it's hilarious. Yep, yeah, get rid
0: of that. So, going back to your review, were there any apps for you? I would say actually during the review process that were missing, like, did you have any issues with um, like there was an app that you needed or wanted for the writing of it?
1: I think Discord was the one that I actually. Check in on regularly. That really, I had to use the Mac to use. I mean, I guess I could log in in Safari, but I I did not want to do that. It's in
0: compatibility mode, though. Hmm.
1: Is it? Yes. I didn't see it there when I, I was it. working on it. Yeah, I have it. You have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. No, I mean the truth is, it mostly most of the apps that I needed were there. That I use are there. And 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 again, iPad compatibility mode was helpful. So, speaking of iPad compatibility mode, I, I'll just say it here because it's in the review. I feel like the iPad apps are maybe scaled a little too small. Maybe. Yes. But I feel like the Vision OS apps are too big. Well, I feel well, like they're yeah. they, they are not they're not quite dense enough. And I know this is a real intangible thing, and I get why they're so big, but I have a moment where sometimes I'm working with both iPad apps and Vision OS apps, and the iPad apps are like here's all this content in a little tiny box and the vision os apps are here's a little bit of content in an enormous box and i think "Mm." and and this you know it's related to other window management issues that we should uh or or app window management topics that we should talk about um like i want to i want to minimize things right? I want to, so many of these vision OS apps are so huge that I can't keep them open all the time, but I don't really want to close them. And I don't have a thing to do. And like mini player apps with mini players are great, like music. And I was using long play, which has a mini player. So great. And I had that moment where I'm like, oh, I've got Hell open. It's great. It's enormous.
0: I can't believe there isn't a small version of Fantastic Hell.
1: I've already complained to them about the fact that I that I want to reduce it down. I want to be able to reduce it down to the sidebar.
0: Yeah,
1: right. But like, what I really want is not just for them to invent a mini player. I want Apple to say, "Here is a, a way you can have your app minimize. Yeah. And if you want to show something that is widget like, you can do that. And otherwise, we'll show like an icon. And then when you tap on it, it springs back out." And that's just not there. again, it's 1.0. I get it. but like I kept I kept having those moments because these vision OS apps are beautiful, but they are huge yeah. and uh, and the iPad apps are more compact. and I, I'm not saying that the iPad apps are the right size. I'm saying that I appreciated their compactness when compared to vision OS apps, which to me seem to be huge. And one way you could fix that is to scale everything down a little bit. Another way that would help would be to have a little more of an affordance to pop them into mini player mode quickly when you don't need them at that moment. And then when you tap on them, they spring back out. And that, that is another window management thing that needs to happen down the road.
0: So I'll give you a couple uh, of points in that. For Calendar, I've been using an app that I found on Mac Stories called Day Ahead, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. There's a beautiful little app for like just having there and visualizing Uh, a day. Um, Yeah, I think the idea of having some kind of if it wasn't widgets, maybe it could be widgets, but maybe it's also just like small apps, right, that can expand, would be great. Um, And yeah, Vision OS does feel like this really weird mix of Mac ideas and iPad ideas together, right? Where it's like you can have the windows wherever you want, but you can't minimize them. You just close them like on an iPad, right? Like Because they'll be ready for you when you come back. But it's like, yeah, but... We thought
1: the iPad was already a weird mix of iPhone yes. and Mac. And Vision OS is like, wait a second. It is even weirder because it is even more like the yes. Mac. Like, but without the, underlying, <laughs> without the underlying 40 years of Mac window management rules. So it's sort of like, uh, close it maybe, I guess. Because they just, and again, I get they need to ship this. I get that it's 1.0. But this is one of those areas where it's like, oh boy, you got a lot of work to do here. You got a lot of work to do here because it's it, some of this stuff is really great. then and you're like, okay, I don't need to see the calendar right now, but I'm going to want it again in a little bit. And they're like, well, you just got to close it, man. That's all you can do. That's sorry. That's it. That's all you can do.
0: The iPad-compatible apps, though, for me, is where I have the majority of my um, eye-tracking failure. I th- it, yes, I think I it's because stuff is so small and close together. And so mm-hmm. I think there is a middle ground, though, I'm sure, right? Uh, so yeah. I feel like Fantastic is, is is an example of an app that has a lot going on and I deal with it fine. Like it looks a lot like the iPad app. Like it's not like they spaced everything out way too much. No. I feel like.
1: Yeah. It's not like the future like lift d- recedes into the background. I mean, it, it is just a, a vision OS, vision OS updated version of their iPad app, mm-hmm. but it's, it's good. Um, it just seems, you know, it, it, it's big and I don't want to keep it open all the time. And I don't really want to, I guess I could put it, hide it behind other windows or whatever, yeah. but you're right. The, the touch targets, I guess they're eye targets, right? But they're the, the scaling of the iPad app. Like I said, I appreciate the density, but it is where most of my, uh, failures happen. I'll also say, I think it varies from app to app because like apps that are super I- iPad apps that are super optimized for the pointer. Hover and pointer support are way better on Vision OS, right? Ones that always give you feedback wherever you're looking, which is the equivalent of hovering an Apple Pencil, right? This is one of those cases where Apple is recycling all these things as they move their platforms forward. So they did the pointer support that is also the hover support for the Pencil, and it's now the hover support for gaze in Vision OS. and. The ones that, that do that pretty well are navigable. And then there are other ones that do it less well and that they're harder to use. But I also agree that, yeah, in general, the, the gaze targets are all small enough that it, it I find that hard. Sometimes I was in Slack, I think, which actually does a pretty decent job. But I had a moment where I was trying to tap on an item in the sidebar. And like I couldn't do it. Yeah. It, the, like it was either it was either the one below it or the one above it, yeah. and I couldn't get it to look at the one until I grabbed the window, moved it over, made it bigger, stared at it for a little while. It knows what it did, and then it finally selected. Um, and that's a sign. I do really appreciate. By the way, iPad compatibility mode. I didn't mention this before. Has rotation support. So there's a little icon in some mm-hmm. apps that support rotation in the upper right that you can tap and it goes from portrait to landscape and back again. And so when I wrote all those words in one writer, I was using it in vertical orientation. So I had a big sheet of paper in front of me and that was really great actually. But I mean, the iPad compatible apps, I guess what I would say, I, I I don't know what you think about it. Like there are issues, but they're they're usable and I'm really glad they're there. <laughs>
0: This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Everybody wants to keep their personal information private, right? Like that's kind of the point of it. So it's uncomfortable to think about the fact that there are data brokers out there who make their business selling the data, the personal data of individuals, especially if they're selling yours. The good news is you can handle this. You have the right to stay private. You have the right to protect your privacy. So all you have to do is, is contact every data broker that may or may not have your information for them to check if you're on their system. And then you just need to submit the requests to be removed if you are. Sounds like a lot of work, right? I don't have the time, I don't know about you, to hunt down all these various data brokers that may or may not have and maybe sell my personal information. Well, this is where Delete Me comes in. They do it all for you. Delete Me helps you purge your personal information that has been captured by data brokers. Information like your name, address, age, phone numbers, and email addresses by removing them from the source. You just submit the information you'd like them to search for, and they'll do the rest. I've been so impressed with Delete Me. In fact, I just got another report from them a couple of days ago where they were like, hey, we got rid of a bunch already, and we found a couple more, and we're this is the stage that we're at. It's so simple. They very Clearly detail all of the brokers that have your information and what information they have about you, and then you're able to see where it is in the process of getting it removed. And so now I feel like Delete Me is on my side. They're out in the world now doing the work to make sure that my information stays private, and that makes me feel very good. You can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindelete.me.com/slash/upgrade20 and use the code, the promo code, upgrade20. That's the only way to get 20% off. Go to joindeliteme.com slash upgrade20 and enter the promo code upgrade20 at checkout. One last time, that is j-o-i-n-d-e-l-e-t-e-m-e dot com slash upgrade20 and the pro- promo code upgrade20. A thanks to Delete Me for their support of this show and FM. You love panoramas. I do. And I They're felt really like great. we shared a moment uh, in your review, you said seeing a friend mm-hmm. give a toast at another friend's wedding and being able to look around to spot other people in the crowd, that was special. So I remember this happening uh, during my wedding. I uh-huh. uh, I think Stephen was giving a toast, my toast, yeah, and was. I saw Jason stand up and walk and take a panorama and I thought to myself, oh, that's good. I would quite like that. And you sent it to me and I, I have that panorama. I've looked at it multiple times and you sent it to me again recently with a second that I didn't have. Actually, you t- took two. Oh. And I opened that panorama and I looked at it and the panorama is odd in spots, right? As they tend to be. Yeah. But I got a huge lump in my throat because I was back at my wedding. Yeah. And it right. was very surreal and and very emotionally touching. It was really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, what, what was great about it is not only is it, you know, you and Adina are there and, and Stephen's giving a toast, but like... All these people I know are sitting at these tables, yep. especially the table right in front of me. So I'm able to see. Uh, I saw Tina, Syracuse. So John's not there because John is also shooting photos at this point. <laughs> but like David Smith is there. And I mean, and Gray is there. And, and, and like and David Sparks. And I mean, Everybody's it's just all these there. my kids
0: are there. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that will and, probably be uh, the, the biggest assembly of Relay FM hosts ever, I think, uh, which is uh, yeah. is very nice to me.
1: Yeah, it it it's a fun thing. And this is the thing. I know that Apple has talked a lot about like the 180 video and uh, that they're doing their immersive video and that the spatial video from the iPhone and from the 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 Vision Pro and the the 3D, you know, spatial shots that you could do with the Vision Pro. But the panorama if you get a good panorama, it really is spectacular. And I have been shooting panoramas for before there was digital photography. I, I was shooting panoramas when you had to have special software to stitch the panoramas together. And then eventually, like Photoshop added it. Uh, and then eventually, your phones just had a panorama mode. And boy, wasn't that nice! But mm-hmm. I, I've been doing it for a very long time. And. I have some that I shot so much that, you know, you can, it's most of the way behind me too. And depending on the angle and Apple processes is the other funny thing, right? It shows a panorama as a, as, uh, as a photo. And then there's a little like panorama button
2: mm-hmm.
1: at which point it enters this mode and it's doing stuff, right? It, it It is finding a way to place that panorama in the right way and, and de-distort it and do all these things to put it around you. And it's not, I mean, you look up and you can see your ceiling and you look down, you see your floor. Like it's not completely immersive but it's powerful i i was looking at a thing i shot about a year ago now on a bridge over a river in new zealand and like oh it's so good like i'm on that bridge again looking down at that bright blue water light blue water coming out of the glaciers and it really i mean it's not the same as like oh now you're you're it's like a memory because it's a 3d video it's not quite the same as that but it's pretty great i mean it is pretty great not enough reason to buy this like on its own but like i think an un a uh, underappreciated thing that it can do and then of course my thoughts immediately went to well you can't make panoramas into environments because they're not as immersive as that but i started to think one i feel like there's going to be I wonder if there will be options down the road to build a more immersive environment from panoramas or from panorama mode, right? Like iOS might get a thing where you shoot more of it all the way around and it creates an environment that you can use, not animated, not with sound, but like an environment you might be able to inhabit in the Vision Pro uh, either to work or just to be in. I wonder about that. And I also wonder about generative AI and if they might actually be able that. to do stuff yeah. where you can take a panorama and then fill it with generative AI because it's like probably mostly like sky and stuff. And and maybe it fuzzes out at the edges and, and then goes to nothing or goes to just sort of a harmonious color. But like, not only would that be nice to look at, but I do wonder if it, like some of these shots, these panorama shots, I could work in that panorama if it mm-hmm. was just a little bit more. So, I don't know. I think they're great. I do. You're right. I do I do love panoramas. They're they're really good. And I and I have them Mike in 1997 when my parents sold the house I grew up in. I shot panoramas of every room in the house and many shot many things outside. And I made a quick time VR about of it <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day. And now I got to get those files out and I have them all on a film camera, by the way, shot it on a film camera. So I've got the scans and I can rebuild those. And those are going to, you talk about, you talk about having uh, that house burned down. Like I talk about having memories uh, and being able to be present in a memory. Um, I can't wait to be able to do that.
0: And I've, I've seen more examples of like, and I've had like photos and videos, you know, I've been sending around like the, the spatial ones Mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, they I, hit i let you sat, sit on my couch yeah they <laughs> sometimes they they hit like sometimes uh, so, they do uh, like you know i had a we were visiting with a friend a while ago and they they took a video of me and adina and it was like it was weird i watched it today they sent it to me and they were like and it was kind of like oh it's like i have a, a memory of myself it was very sometimes they work sometimes they don't um i i've i think i said this on last week's episode but i don't remember now like the examples that i have that i've taken it is way better to have no movement of the phone like if the phone is still and there's movement occurring that is what makes a good spatial video
1: yeah that that's it's a uh, different techniques and what works and what doesn't but i i think that there is a at least, I don't know if it's the only way it works, but a way that it works is that you are there. It's still, and you're in the moment. Instead of once once you start panning around, it, there's an author, and it's not you. It right? also
0: loses the. I feel like it loses the impact of the effect a little bit too, when there's when there's movement, um, like that's caused by the camera. I feel like it's just not as, uh, it's just not as effective. I think, but yeah, it. I'm intrigued to see the advancement of this stuff I did today. Uh, I took a 3d photo of the desk in front of me and then opened it and it freaked me out <laughs> because it was like, ah, my desk. Cause it also was like a little bit higher than my desk, but it, it like mm-hmm. it made my brain like go weird for a second. Like like I'd fallen. It was very strange. I don't recommend doing that or do yeah. it, but it's weird <laughs> be aware of that. Uh, I've traveled with my vision probe. I
1: will uh, yes, tell you, you right
0: now, I chickened out of wearing I'm wearing it on the plane. I didn't do it. And there were two reasons for this. One, I feel didn't like... Didn't want to be that guy. Didn't want to be that guy because <laughs> that guy, like the idea of that guy had already proliferated enough over the week that mm-hmm. I didn't want to be that guy. Plus, we took off at nearly midnight. I had to sleep. And so I just slept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so Quite I didn't right. do it. But I also feel like as time went on, it felt uh, uh, less important to do that but what i'll say is the vision pro is heavy for travel like it's not impossible but that thing in a backpack is not comfortable to carry did you have a case i have the apple case yeah which is also fit in your backpack in the backpack i have yes i will say it fits it actually fits horizontally in my backpack too i use Mm. the bellroy venture-ready pack. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. If somebody wants a backpack where they can fit it in, like I was able to fit uh, my my dongle bag, which is also a Bellroy Tech pouch, my mm-hmm. Vision Pro thing, and my AirPods Max in a case, like a full hard case. It will all fit in the bag. So this bag is great for Vision Pro. But then I got my laptop, and my iPad in there as well, because that was what I had on the trap, and that's a, that's a lot. Like it's, you've got a lot going on in that bag. It's heavy. Um, but yeah, it is a fantastic computer for traveling. So when I got home, I wanted to uh, finish and post cortex because it was done. And like that's still like multiple hours of work for me, but I was at home, so I only had my laptop. So I used the Vision Pro and then I had a huge screen and like logic on a 13 inch laptop is not a great experience, but I had like a 40 inch monitor with logic on it instead. Like it really, like the Vision Pro is perfect for making a small laptop more functional and more more ergonomic, like it really is an excellent pairing with those two things. And so like it will be a great travel computer for sure, but you have to be aware of the fact that it is heavy, it is heavy. I am traveling uh toward the end of this week, mm-hmm.
1: and that's and I'm looking forward to experiencing all of the issues that come with it, pro and con
0: i am I'm very much looking forward to it yeah I, th- I I think you're gonna dig it. I do. I think you'll dig it, but you just need to be aware that if you put it in a backpack, like you're gonna feel it because mm, I'm sure do you have the case, do you have a case?
1: I do not have a case, okay gotta get a I'm case going, i'm going i'm going no i'm going no case i don't i, I i'm going to go no case and i'm going to see what the issues are and then i'll i'll decide i i did what? i got to see the apple case the big, big puffy pillow um don't think i really like it but um but I, i'll decide whether i want a case or not
0: how are you going to travel with it you're going to put it in a bag Yep. oh okay I'll put it in a bag yeah, you got b- bigger guts than me, is what I'll say. Uh, putting that thing just in straight into a backpack, it feels—I don't know if it feels delicate, but I treat it delicately. Yeah. If that makes sense.
1: But, the main part of it's pretty solid. There are those, uh, there are the like little bands and all that. But like, I, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll stick some socks in there and pat it.
0: <laughs> so today is the first day I worked in the studio with it. And I answered two very important questions for myself. Okay. One is, which I was really worried about, is how is it going to deal with the terrible overhead lighting that I have? Right? I've spoken about this on the show before. Oh, right. right. That Mac uh, webcams struggle with it. It was fine. Nothing. No flickering. Nothing. So thank Good. you to Apple for, for, for dealing with that. And also, I was wondering will my fancy keyboards plugged in via USB work with universal control? Mm -hmm. And they do. They work fine. Of course they do. But mice don't. What is going on with that? Oh, do the
1: mice even not work in universal control?
0: Nothing. Huh. Interesting. So my Logitech mouse, it just stops at the edge of the Mac and doesn't do anything. It
1: stops at the edge? Wow, that's wild. I
0: don't know what the thinking is there because... Mice work they don't like on it.
1: iPad. Yeah, they don't like it. Weird. They, they think mice are afraid of uh, Vision Pros. Mm-hmm.
0: I so guess. that that was very very strange to me. But I was super happy that my nice. I care more about the keyboard because I use a mouse and a trackpad at my desk. Um, I use both, and so I can just use that. And also, to be honest, I'm still mostly using um, eye tracking than a trackpad when I'm when I'm like going from window to window. Like I just use the mouse and I'm on my Mac and then I look at something on another window and I'm using eye tracking and typing and stuff like that. So I, I use that combo. And I love that combo that you have all of these different input methods. It's like one of the things I loved about iPad. Um, talking about that quickly, I've had a lot of people say to me like, oh, why is nobody talking about the fact that you can directly manipulate an app? Because it's not a good experience is why. Like, you know what i mean you can bring an app to you and you can like scroll it and tap it and that kind of stuff
1: oh yeah right right yeah you can't nice
0: to do like i hate it it's not a good experience which is like the reason Mm -hmm. like people i'm seeing a lot of videos made about it like oh look you can do this it's like it looks good for a video but it is not a nice experience to like try and scroll and stuff like that
1: yeah what the videos don't show is that inside you're touching a thing that isn't there has no feedback like ty- typing on that keyboard is terrible enough but mm-hmm. the idea that you're now tapping on the you know it's it's not there on the invisible place and and not and your finger just passes through and when it passes through it registers the tap it's i hate it yep. it's awful
0: yep the eye tracking is great the kind of, like, finger tracking is not good, right? Like, you know, so it is not a good experience to do that. Like, you can, but uh, you shouldn't. You really should be using all the other different methods of input that they have.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: What else would you like to talk about today?
1: Oh, um uh i didn't realize this but there are some videos in the disney plus app that are high frame rate including avatar Mm. and disney has said i think titanic is going to go in there in high, high frame rate i i one of the things that we haven't talked about a lot is the the this device supports high frame rate video and so like the avatar movies are in 48 frames a second 3d and while it is you know, high frame rate is weird in a sense that you almost get that soap opera effect a little bit, but at the point, Avatar is so unreal already. And honestly, getting rid of motion jutter and having everything be smooth, especially in these, you know, almost entirely CGI 3D scenes in Avatar. It's really good. I actually really like it. There are moments where I'm watching Avatar and I feel like I'm literally just watching a video game cutscene, but I think that that's because video game cutscenes are literally trying to be movies. And this is a movie uh, that's trying to be a movie too. It's not trying to be a video game cutscene, but there are those moments that I have that where I'm like, what is this? Um, but the high frame rate video, whew, like, again, not for everything. It's got issues, but I'm curious and I would actually really like to see if. Um, if whoever is it would it be in max, I don't know where the Lord of the Ring Ra- or the Hobbit movies that were shot in high frame rate are, but I'm actually kind of curious. I know that people, a lot of people didn't like it, but like this is a device that's capable of showing high frame rate and capable of showing 3d. And I think that's cool because we don't have a lot of like video viewing devices that, that will offer those things. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that, that there it's actually in like a, I think a Disney press release that, that they, they have these movies that are going to be in high frame rate. That's cool. Um, I I I mentioned last week, by the way, that um, some of my movies were in 3D, but not in 3D. Um, it, it turns out a bunch of people sent this in, and including I heard from somebody inside at Apple who said that, like, it's an issue with Movies Anywhere, where you buy it on a disc and you put in a code, and then it goes in your iTunes library, where it was not registering. So the the, the issue was, you it said you could play it in 3D, but it didn't play in 3D if it was a Movies Anywhere movie. And they seem to have adjusted that on the store side, where now it doesn't say you can play it in 3D. (laughs) Now, it's still a real bummer, because one, I'd like it if I could. Thank you very much. There's probably a licensing issue there, where like the Movies Anywhere, you don't get the 3D. Like how some of them, you don't get the 4K upgrade. You just have to stay back with whatever you bought. That's kind of a bummer. But it's also a user... It's still a problem, because there's no way for me to say, I would like to give Apple money to get the 3D version of this. It just isn't possible like if you got it via movies anywhere now it's not going to say it's in 3d for you but you also can't get it in 3d it's sort of blocked now that may be a short-term fix and there's a long-term issue and they may be dealing with the licensing but anyway a little bit of follow-up that was what was going on it's a movie i bought on disc uh and the rights aren't there for that movie apparently and Mm. so it doesn't get it doesn't get shown We promised to talk about ergonomics, and I do want to talk about ergonomics a little little bit. I went to the Apple store uh, because I still have had issues on and off with Optic ID. And I've talked to some people who have said they think that that is because I'm too far away and that my light shield is the wrong size. So I reran the light shield measurement, which keep in mind, I ran on the day I ordered it, and it gave me a different size, a smaller size of light shield. It gave me the, I want to say 21W, which was completely sold out because it's the most popular size. I went on Apple support site. They have the ability to ask, they ask you a bunch of questions, uh, about the, your fit you can't just specify a size. So I, I started like answering all the questions in different ways to see what sizes it was trying to give me. Um, a friend of mine who works at Apple suggested a a smaller size that is about the same size, just slightly smaller than the 21 W that has apparently worked for some people. The, you know, and, and I, I did a swap with that. So I'm going to get that today and try it. And hopefully that will be better. And it will be, I'll be a little closer. Cause what happened was I took my um, cushion off and that meant I was a little closer to the display. It's not, you know, without the cushion, it's not going to be comfortable for very long. But I did it to see if I could get a little closer. And then Optic ID started working perfectly.
0: Hmm. I thought, oh, okay. So that was the main main issue for why you wanted to change was because of Optic ID. It wasn't that you weren't finding it uncomfortable.
1: I had people say that one of the reasons you can really improve your field of view a bit if you're closer, obviously, which does make sense. Um, And that you might be able to see things better, Mm. Um, but for me, it was really that optic ID would just sometimes not work. So I went into the Apple retail store and they're very friendly, but, um, and they, and they, they were sold out of my size. I I talked to somebody who sent me to somebody who sent me to somebody. I ping ponged around the store. Eventually I got an appointment that was only for like 10 minutes later for a fitting. But the guy who gave me the fitting was very nice, but like I'd clearly never done this before or almost never done this before and like i have my whole thing in a shopping bag i've got like i've got all the vision pro stuff and he goes over and he like gets one and brings it to me and has me try it and and it's the one that's the common one that they're sold out of and he's like yeah is that better and i'm like well the optic id works so yeah maybe this is better um but he he can't sell it to me and i say well what should i do and he says well you should do a swap but when i go to the swap Even though that was the size I tried, I can't say, send me that size. I have to go through this thing. So here's the larger issue. And I'm going to take this out. I I am not blaming anybody in Apple retail because I think they are overwhelmed and trying their best. But I've also heard, like, other people talking about this who are describing things that I have not seen. Here is my gut feeling. I think there is an enormous ergonomics problem with Vision Pro Fitting. And what Apple needs is to train their retail people well about walking through different sizes, about not just scanning with the app, but walking through different sizes, figuring out the right ones. And from my perspective in my store, it felt like they were really not experienced in doing that. And what we know from a lot of reports from a lot of places is that the emphasis that Apple placed on training for Vision Pro in Apple retail was on the marketing experience of the walkthrough. And again, not placing any judgments on the retail employees. I'm placing judgments on the people at corporate who are in charge of retail. I think Apple made a huge mistake in not focusing on the ergonomics of getting these things to fit. It smells to me like somebody said, oh, we wrote a thing in the app that scans your face and gives you the right size and it'll it'll solve it. But I can tell you from my personal experience that it gave me different sizes at different times. And then when I went in, they scanned my face again and it was the new size that I had scanned at home, but it was not the size I scanned on day one. And then they didn't have it and they didn't really know what to do. And when they told me what my right size was, I couldn't actually go through the process on the website of ordering a replacement because it wouldn't let me put in that size. Mm. So I think they screwed this up. I think that Apple retail needs people trained in a truly extensive sizing experience where they not only know to try multiple sizes and know what to look for in terms of with the, the person who's trying them on. And not just rely on an app and then sort of shrug and say, well, we don't have that size. Good luck. The website needs to be changed too. But like, I feel like they dropped the ball here where they actually have a product that it's seeming based on some of the things that I'm noticing people say and how they do or do not conform to what I've noticed. It seems to me that this is a product that actually needs a lot of work in terms of getting that light shield to be the right size, the right fit for somebody. And, um, and when I go into retail, it feels very much like they, they have gotten a lot of work on how to do a demo, but are a little bit at sea when it comes to giving a user a proper fit. And that feels like a a mistaken emphasis and maybe they'll get better. I know it's early days, but like using a clever app to scan your face clearly isn't good enough since it gives different results. And that when you go in for your, your sizing, appointment i feel like at least in my experience it ended up being kind of a well this is what the app says so we'll try it out and i had somebody tell me later that i should have asked for other sizes but like how would i know to ask
0: for other sizes in the moment yeah
1: the person doing it should know right and i think he was under trained but like he should be like well, here here's the size that we scanned, and here's the one that's bigger, and here's the one that's smaller. And now here's a process we go through to determine on your Vision Pro or on our demo Vision Pro, depending on what the deal is, whether it fits or not. So I just I got, I got this gut feeling now that some people are reporting things that, that strike me as being very weird about the Vision Pro, and I think it's probably ergonomics. I think it's probably the fit of the light seal. It might be their eyes. It might be the lenses. There may be other things going on too. I get that this is a really complicated product. But again, my experience at the Apple store was very much like they aren't good enough at this part. Mm. And this part seems like it might actually be really, really important. So that's my takeaway.
0: I I agree with what you're saying. I think part of the issue that they're going to have and will continue to have is like I don't know if they know yet how people find it and how it works for them from a fitment perspective. I <laughs> know. I know. And, I know, and right? also, people I mean, that is part of it. don't have the language to express what they are or aren't experiencing. Like, I've been thinking to myself, like, I hear people talking about it. I'm like, I wonder if I am doing it right. Like, am I using the right cushion? Do I have the right light seal? Like, these are like, we don't truly know and that is a complication of the experience like so for example for me i have two light seals at different sizes because the i originally bought it without prescription lenses because it was all i could do at the time and then bought my prescription lenses and then it told me i needed a different size light seal for my prescription lenses and i wonder like do people have I don't know when, maybe you can tell me, I don't know. When you buy the reading lenses, do they resize you? I have no idea. Because they made me do the scan again. And I and I wonder, like, maybe if you don't get sized or maybe people didn't get sized correctly or, or whatever. They do ask.
1: They do ask, do you need lenses? And I think that goes into the sizing. Right. The presence of lenses, for sure. But, like,
0: like, there's there's something going on, like, I know there's something going on there with, like, the lenses, and, and it, it can, for, this isn't for everyone, but for some people, you end up with a different size light seal if you get lenses. So, yes. I don't, maybe, like, what if it failed during the scan, and then people got lenses, but now they have the wrong light seal, because now their eyes are too close, or whatever, right? Like, Right it's complicated. it's like all right, there are two cushions.' very sort of complicated. Why are there two cushions? like I genuinely right. feel like i was I don't know why they're there, yeah, like, not, and I'm not hearing really well communicated what feels to me like kind of like urban legends about what the cushions do right uh-huh and so right and, and I feel like it's getting away a little bit now because you listen because like you know the the Potential buyers are hearing me and they're hearing you and they're hearing Federico and John and Sir. Like, and everyone's just talking about what they're doing. And they're like, I was listening to App Stories today and John was like, I tried this cushion and it was better. And Federico's like, Oh, I should try it. And I'm like, Oh, well, should I try it? But I, you know, like the, it's mm-hmm. complicated. And and this is what the retail. So-
1: and, and how do you do that? Well, if you can't go to a retail store, you're going to deal with this sort of thing. And I, I guess that's that's how that's going to happen. And and that seems to be why the web is the way it is, where they're like, what was wrong with your fit? And then they generate a size for you based on your your original size and what's wrong with your fit. Very clever. But if it, first off, if you get a new, different size, you can be like, you can't put in give me that size. So that's annoying. But at the retail, if you're at retail, this is where they have the power to say, we have all the cushions. We have all the light seals in this drawer and we're going to bring them out and we're going to try them. And we got a method and we're going to tell you how does this feel and what to look for, what what to feel for. And I get that that's hard and they may not know, but like that needs to be the solution here for a $3,500 product, by the way, is like, that needs to be done right. And it doesn't feel to me, at least in my experience, that they are doing it right. And I get that it's hard, but like, you can't have people doing like urban legends about, about light seals and cushions. And like, I had somebody say, Hey, here's the size you really want to get. If you want good field of view, I'm like, uh, okay. Like, but aren't we all different? And like, are people going to get the wrong ones and all of that? And that's why you need somebody who's got all of them and a process to walk you through it. And I know that that's what they intend to do, but at least based on my experience that what I got was what let's scan your face. Oh, that size. Well, we, we can try it. although we don't have it in stock. Here it is. Is it good? I, 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 I mean, optic ID worked. I don't know. He's like, great. Okay. We're done. I'm like, well, that's not how, that's not how it should be like it should be a process. It should be uh, we got uh, I mean opt- opticians optometrists will be like a or B which one is better right We're not we're not doing that but we are doing sizing right or like getting clothes in two different sizes and trying them on like you kind of want to bracket what got measured and go through that. And like, I got none of that. I don't know if that, if I just got a bad one, I don't want to throw my guy under the bus. It felt like, cause again, it felt like he wasn't very well trained on it. And I don't know whether that's this store didn't train him well or whether Apple as a whole is not training people well for this, but I know that they all got trained about how exactly what words to say while walking you through encounter dinosaurs or whatever. Right. I know they got trained on those words. Um, And, and my experience in the retail store is,
0: you you chose the wrong thing to focus on this episode is brought to you by nomnom nomnom Nom truly cares about your dog's digestion they have an they have an especially extensive pet microbiome database yes they have that and they have it to help create better recipes for every breed size and digestive Sensitivity. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. And it's all made with real wholesome ingredients that you can see and recognize without additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists Freshly made and ship free to your door jason tell me a little bit about you know as a dog owner of a lovely dog the Mm -hmm. importance of like the real food part yeah
1: she's right here um (laughs) well my dog in particular her story is that she was found on the street by animal control and as a puppy and was malnourished um so we try to give her good food um and the food that that Nam provides it's it's little frozen packets and you can thaw them and um and they are real it's made with real food right like it's recognizable food they, they have the ingredients right on the label it's food that that humans could also eat uh it's all recognizable some combination of meat and veggies and starches and uh she loves it and i love that i am giving her some real food because i know that she comes from a place of having not uh, not eaten properly. And I think it's going to be tiny for her whole life because she did not get good nutrition when she was a
0: puppy. That's cute. That's a cute story though, right? Like it's kind of like now you're able to give her what she deserves. Oh yeah. I and like she that. wants it. Trust me. She's like very
1: much, uh, Hey, it's somewhere vaguely near five o'clock. Uh, feed me now that uh, we enter the feed me era about an hour before I actually feed her. So she, she wants it. Um, uh, but it's the like most exciting Three minutes of the day is when Maisie gobbles down all of her uh, dog food.
0: Nom Nom have already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now to get fifty percent off your no-risk two-week trial at Trynom.com/upgrade. That is T-R-Y-N-O-M.com/upgrade for fifty percent off. One last time, Trynom.com/upgrade. A thanks to Nomnom Nom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's finish out with some Ask Upgrade questions. We got lots and lots of Vision Pro ask up questions and I encourage people to keep sending them in we won't get to them all today but we will get to them so please keep sending them in Dylan writes in to say and this is actually I wanted to do this one first because it follows on from what we were just talking about are you having any lens glare inside of your Apple Vision Pro this happens for me during high contrast movie scenes or when viewing any bright content against dark environments these moments make the viewing experience look smudged and lower the device's overall immersion Apple Vision Pro is a brilliant device but this drawback is unfortunate given the price point. I am wondering if my Zeiss lenses have anything to do with it.
1: I mean, I I have absolutely seen the lens glare. I only really notice it in uh, very dark environments where there's a very bright image in the center. So basically that's, yeah, movies in a dark environment. And it's absolutely there. It's like a lens flare. It happens at the sort of toward the bottom and it is a bit distracting. And it is, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, my answer is, is use a different environment. But if you want to be in the dark movie theater and have that kind of feel, um, it, it's, it's there. I'm wearing Zeiss lenses, absolutely. I don't know whether it magnifies it or not, uh, but it's, it's definitely a real thing.
0: This is funny because uh, today I was having the same lens glare issues with all the lights on in my studio, just sitting and doing work. I uh, So this is one of the things, what's causing huh. it? I don't know, right? Is it reflection? Is it light coming in? Like, this is like another of these things where I feel like I'm, again, like everything we've been talking about today, hearing completely different uh, uh, examples and reasons and possible theories about something that we just don't understand yet. But yes, there is some glare. Zach in the Discord is saying that it happens without inserts. So my expectation is it, there could be multiple things going on here that if you're in a dark environment and there's some bright light, it may reflect. But also you can just, if light gets in, like you've got light getting in from somewhere that also it could reflect huh. from the screens. I don't know, but there is glare going know. on. That's for sure. We go from glare to Blair. Blair asks, do you think the one virtual display limit where mirroring from a Mac is a hardware limitation or could support for multiple displays or breaking Windows out of a single Mac display be added in a future software update? So Ben Thompson has said, uh, he said it in his uh, Stratechery article about the Vision Pro, that he has heard that there are people inside of Apple that have more than one Mac display running on the Vision Pro, which is not a surprise to me. So I don't know if, I don't think it's a hardware display, a hardware limitation. I think it's just a processing thing. And it's probably easier to do it with one rather than multiple. Maybe there's an issue with like certain Max might not be able to do it, and so yeah. that might add a complication that they just didn't want to deal with yeah. right now.
1: Like if like the M1 and M2 Max can't do it, but the uh, the 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 Pro and Max models yeah. can, and so they they're keeping it simple for now. But maybe I mean it would be great. It would be great if you could do two. Yes, it would be great. There, I know there's like an open source thing that that it has like a, it's a hack where you can pull windows out. I mean, that would be great if Apple could at some point make it so that macOS windows just kind of like float in wherever you want. That would be cool. But I think it's unlikely because it would require uh, a real complete rethink of all of the you know interactions with windows. So I think it's less likely that something like that would happen. Um, but but who who knows? I mean, maybe they would do something like make the your desktop be transparent or translucent instead of having a desktop pattern on it. And so it sort of feels more like vision OS, even though it's not. But um, two displays would be nice.
0: Tim writes in and asks, connecting to a Mac from Vision Pro seems useful, but it makes me wonder why the why they don't simply allow you to run Mac OS as an app natively on the device. The specs seem in the same ballpark as a Mac, and it would make the Vision Pro an even better travel device if you didn't need an actual Mac with you. Do you think this is a technical limitation or a policy choice on Apple's part?
1: Well, as somebody who's been championing the idea of uh, iPad OS getting support for uh, virtualized Mac OS at some point with a, with a high-end iPad Pro, it can be done. I would say that Vision Pro is doing a lot already. And so pushing this hardware even further with something like this seems uh, like a lot. I think in the long run, it's a possibility. You also have the input problem, which is to run a Mac, you have to pretty much have to have a trackpad and a keyboard. Mm -hmm. And the best way to get that is to connect to a Mac. But do I think it's possible that in the long run, Vision Pro devices, Vision OS devices could run a Mac just on their own? Sure right i don't know if they ever will i think that there are probably some technical limitations and policy choices here yeah but tim is right like it's not like this hardware can't run mac os because we know that it does in other configurations it's just that the, this hardware is doing other stuff and is you know it, it's busy with that stuff i i don't know if they even tried um but i do think this is a potential future for iPad and for vision OS is, could you just run Mac OS as uh, virtualized in a a Mac app um, in certain modes with certain input devices connected? Maybe, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon on Vision Pro.:
0: I will say, like for me, I, I do much more like the idea of using Vision Pro to connect to my Mac rather than being a Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Because then it would be an empty Mac right
1: an empty mac that you'd have to sync and you'd have to do all those things exactly and yeah i mean i get the idea of like oh well now you don't even need to travel with a mac wherever you go a mac is with you but the truth is wherever you go you'd still need the keyboard and the trackpad right you'd still need that so there is an argument to be made that at that point perhaps you should bring your mac and have your mac with you but um you know i don't think it's impossible but you're absolutely right that as somebody who is now maintaining two different places where I work, like every time I sit down at one after it's been a while, I'm like, "Oh geez, that thing isn't here, and that setting isn't here and I need to does, did I update this app over here, and like it, there is an advantage to having it be yours and not another Mac that has to sync all the things from your mac
0: yep uh and Kevin writes in to say many, if not most of the initial Vision Pro reviews have called out how big you can make windows, especially video and how impressive this is. But I find it a little puzzling and wonder if you could comment based on your experience. What's the practical difference between a small window positioned close to your face and a large virtual screen in a virtual movie theater? Is watching a movie on a massive window in Vision Pro really any different from sitting closer to a 4K TV in your living room?
1: I mean, the truth is that the, the Z-axis is kind of a lie in Vision Pro. Everything is always sort of the same size. It's just sort of where it is in the stack. Um, but you can also resize images. So what I would say is the practical difference is actually between a movie window that is in the center of your vision, but it's only sort of like in a narrow field or you make it really big. And now it's like you're sitting in the first row of a movie theater where you can't actually even see the whole picture in your vision without turning or looking in the corners. That's the difference here is that you can make them really big. Now, could you sit closer to the 4K TV in your living room and get a similar thing? Um, Yes, you could. But... um, that, you know, people don't do that. <laughs> and people, and, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's what I would say is yes, you could, you could get really close. Although the quality is very good. I, what I, I see when I get close to my 4k TV, I see a lot of, um, artifacts, yeah, which I don't feel like I see so much on vision pro. But, um, the idea is that you can be anywhere and be up as close to the screen as you want. Whereas in the real world, you, you know, unless you put your TV right next to your couch, you're probably like looking at it from a distance. And so, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think that's, to me, that's the difference. I mean,
0: look, it's all a, it's perspective and it tricks your brain. It's like, why even go to the cinema, right? Like, what is it about seeing a cinema screen that you like? Then why not just always sit really close to your television? Like there is a, a, a perspective thing that feels good. Like having like a really large window, it just, it just looks cool and it's like, oh wow, look at the size of that screen. I could sit very close to my T V, but that's just not comfortable for me. Yeah. Like I wouldn't like that. But it's nice to be able to sit and relax and have a screen that's really large. It it mm-hmm. looks it just looks cool and it feels like I'm at a cinema, even though I'm not. If you would like to send in your questions for a future episode, go to upgradefeedback.com. It's also where you can send in your follow-up or any other feedback that you have about the show. Please go read Jason's excellent review in full over at sixcolors.com. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, you can hear us both here on Relay FM, where we have multiple shows. You can also hear Jason on the incomparable.com as well. And if you want to check out my product work, go to CortexBrand.com. You can find us online on Mastodon. Jason is at JasonL on Zeppelin.flights. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Mike.social. We're also on Threads. I am iMike, imike and Jason is JasonL there as well. You can watch video clips of the show on TikTok and Instagram and full episodes and clips on YouTube. We are at Upgrade Relay on all of them. Thank you to our members and supporters of Upgrade Plus. Thank you so much. If you do, you get longer ad-free versions of the show and tons of great benefits of being a Relay FM member. Go to getupgradeplus.com to find out more. Today in Upgrade Plus, we're going to rank the environments in Vision Pro, which me and Jason are both very excited about. Thank you to our sponsors, Nom Nom, Delete Me, and Factor. But most of all, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time for episode 500 of Upgrade. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow.
1: Goodbye, everybody.